Welcome to the Love Hope Adventure podcast, where we talk about marriage relationship, intimacy, and marriage, and how you can go deeper with your spouse. Today, we have a great guest on with us. We have Dan from Get Your Marriage On. Hi, Dan. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Now, we've known each other for such a long time now, haven't we? Yes. Yes. We go way back. I feel like I have like moved three or four times since I met you. <laughs> Probably. I mean, we've moved three times since we lived in Dallas and I yeah, think we've right? moved before that. I know. So. Yeah. Like we've known you forever. Um, so tell us a little bit about Get Your Marriage On because this is now an umbrella for all your other apps and I feel like you got like a coaching course you just started and everything and I haven't been able to keep up with everything. Uh, I just have fun. <laughs> I, I like it. Uh, yeah, if it sounds fun, then we do it. So that's kind of our motto. <laughs> Wait, are you about to do like another marriage retreat or something like that? I feel like I was seeing yeah, you. Yeah, we have one coming that. up in October, and we're doing it up in the mountains. Each couple gets their own private cabin around the lake, like picturesque, oh. super romantic. We're having really good food brought in, catered, um, and then it's myself and Amanda Lauder, who's a marriage intimacy sex coach we're wow. both going to be teaching for three days and three nights fantastic and, um, it's going to be so fantastic exciting. So. you love the in-person events don't you uh this would be my fourth one that i've done yeah i that's a habit that, that, that's, that's, a habit. that's good <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah there's i think i like them because um people come people come with with a certain expectation like mm. uh I hope my spouse hears the speaker say X, Y, or Z, right? <laughs> but then they walk away going, oh my goodness, I didn't realize I need to do X, Y, or Z better. Right. I've got a role to play in this. And so they kind of walk away with a better picture of how their marriage is operating. And they're walking away holding hands and with a lot of hope and faith. Like um, last time there was a guy that called a week before the conference saying, we got to cancel. My wife and I are probably getting a divorce. We don't think we can even survive the drive down there. Oh, so can I get my money back? But it was past the time you get a refund. Anyway, by some miracle, they survived the drive because they, they showed up. Anyway, a few days later, he emailed me and said, this weekend was so transformative for us. We're now at a better place we've been in three years. Oh, that's Thank fantastic. you. Fantastic. So like things happen and retreats are great because you and your spouse are both like there. You're focused on the uh, presentation uh, like a lot of growth happens like in spurts right mm -hmm. like keely will grow and then austin will grow and it's kind of asynchronous but when you're at a retreat you're both you know yeah. put in right. a situation you're both growing together and so it's it's very healthy and emily and i've done re you know attended other marriage retreats before we found a lot of growth for that too yeah. That's awesome. So you got started as um, doing app development for sex games and things like yeah. that, which, yep. you know, which I think that's where I got my big break with marriage blogging is people started finding my sexy truth or dare game. Uh -huh. And from that, what I have found is that you have a lot of people who come to get bedroom games and they're trying to like put a bandaid on an issue in the marriage, which is they have a higher appetite for sex and intimacy and enthusiasm and all this stuff. So they come trying to look for tools to get their spouse engaged. And sometimes it like totally falls flat. They'll download your app. They'll mm -hmm. get my game or whatever. And then they get on our list and they start emailing us and they're going, okay, well, 
this isn't working. What do I do next? Because my spouse is not as engaged in sex. I try to mm -hmm. talk to them. They won't talk to me. It's this huge blow up, you know, what have you. So how's your experience been with that with your readership? Oh, definitely. And it's usually, you know, you can spot these questions because they, they always say something like, how do I get my husband or how do I get my wife to be right. more sexual with me? Right. And they're looking for a solution to like, what do I say? What, what's the, what do I buy? What, right. what can I, you know, to get them to all of a sudden become more interested in sex. Yeah. That's, that's usually how it goes. What's, what's the, the magic formula, the silver bullet. <laughs> no, I would, I would probably be richer than Elon Musk if I had that. <laughs> you had the like if we could just bottle it in a pill. So I could tell you what, what doesn't work. Okay. And let's start there. <laughs> let's start with what doesn't work. So, um, when you, um, you, you have children, so you, you probably see this dynamic in your kids too. It's, I call them losing strategies. These are things mm. you do to, you get a short-term win, but at the cost of the relationship long-term. Mm -hmm. So one example is pouting. Mm. If you don't get what you want, you pout. Or, right? And what you're trying to do is guilt or shame the other person into giving in right. and, for what you want. I, that's a very common losing strategy. And sometimes it works, right? Like if you pout long enough, your spouse might finally give in and say, okay, here, we'll have sex just to make you happy. Right. But right. the quality of the sex is horrible and it comes with a great cost. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's an invisible cost right. in a relationship. Another very effective strategy that uh, people learned in their childhood is withdrawing. That's when you're like... Uh, you withdraw some warmth of in the relationship. You might not physically withdraw, but you definitely withdraw your heart. Mm -hmm. And it's also invisible because people are really good at like at putting on a smiling face and right. like still going through the motions, like kissing before you go to bed. But you can tell our brains are really good at mapping other humans. Like even though outward motions are the same, it's lacking mm -hmm. that soul, that spirit behind it. So withdrawing. And if I withdraw long enough, then my spouse will finally come around. Another losing strategy I see is, fine, I'll stop initiating. You do all the initiating instead. And uh, that will really help. That will help because I no longer feel the burden of initiating. And it's the devil's pact. It's not a great strategy because all, there's already pressure in the relationship for sex. And all you're doing is shifting that that burden, that pressure from one person to the other. It's not really going away. But short term, it feels great because the lower desire spouse is like, phew, Thank goodness, I don't have right? to, yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't have to, uh, I don't have to initiate if I don't want to. This sounds great until, you know, two or three days go by and you realize, or a month goes by and you realize your spouse is expecting you to do all the initiating now. So all that burden and pressure is on you. And guess what? That actually makes things worse. You don't feel like initiating. You don't feel like having sex because there's all this pressure now on top of right. what you were dealing with before. So all it did is it doesn't solve anything because it just shifts, just shifts the burden. And the higher desire spouse is now upset about those things too. So 
a, a lot of things we try to do are like control and manipulation tactics. And as adults, mm-hmm. and I see this pr- a lot in men, uh, we another strategy that's losing is called becoming a nice guy. And I put that in air quotes because um, nice guys really aren't nice. But what I mean by nice guy is, for instance, they'll hear on your blog or on your podcast here about how women love, like, I'll, I'll use the word chore play as foreplay. You like get this great idea, right? If I do the dishes and draw a bath for my wife and help the kids with their homework, she will be so turned on that she will just can't resist me because you hear about wives complaining, hoping their husbands do more around the house and they don't. So they think I'm a, I'm a great guy. I can be really nice and I can do all these things. I actually never give that advice by the way, because oh, good. <laughs> uh, because I think it's, it's just coming from the wrong place and your spouse knows that. Cause I have heard women say, my husband is only taking care of our kids right now because he wants sex later. And so <laughs> yes. then it devalues yeah. his relationship with the children, his commitment to them. And it makes it be more about he wants this thing and he's trying to bargain with you and yeah. he doesn't see taking care of his kids as his responsibility or whatever. Something you should be doing anyway. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. there's so much. Like, I've never even told men, "Well, you should do more dishes to get sex." I think that's incorrect. <laughs> no, it. I. It's kind of a, a. I'll frame it in another way to get people's attention. But prostitution is when you try to buy sex, yeah. right? You're turning. You're you're trying to do the same thing in your own marriage. You're trying to buy some sort of sexual validation, thinking of. Uh, sex as a transaction. If I right. do X, Y, or Z, like a vending machine, put in the right yep. amount, select what I want, then immediately I should get what I want. Yeah. The problem, now I just want to be really clear. There is nothing wrong with lovingly doing things for right. your spouse, doing the dishes. Like you should share the, the, the burden and the load in your family, right? <laughs> yeah. That you're, you're a couple, you're working together as a team. Uh, the problem comes when, uh, a lot of this is done without telling your spouse why you're doing it too. Mm-hmm. Like, so in your heart, you have this uh, contract that if I do X, Y, or Z, she gives me wh- the result I want. Right. And I'm using stereotypes here, but it can go the other way, right? Um, and uh, it's it's not kind because it's controlling and it's manipulative. Right. You're mm. trying to put them in a position where they can't say no. And then you, I think, develop those habits within the marriage where the wife or the husband or whoever is not the high drive spouse, but they maybe want something else and they, they're like, okay, well, this is how we get what we want. We bargain for things in our marriage. I want him to do fill in the blanks. So I bargain with him or I want her to do this. So it just sets up a lot of bad relating habits. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Yep. Like in general, not just about sex. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I have a personal story about this. There was a time in our marriage where we were arguing about sex and I am the higher desire spouse in my marriage. Right. And I really wanted my wife to like step up in a few ways. So this is my old immature self, right? And her complaint was, I don't have enough time because I am with, I'm with our kids and I, I cook the meals and I like, I don't have time for myself to sit and read a book. Right. Cause that was like, that was like our solution, right? Like, well, let's read a book and then learn more about these things. And then we can incorporate them in the bedroom and 
see, magically things will just get better. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's like, well, I don't have time to read a book. So, all right. So I kind of bargained with her and said, okay, how about for two weeks, I will handle all evening chores. I'll make the grocery list. I'll make the menu. I'll cook all the meals, clean up. And all you, and instead you can, you know, take your time in the bedroom. You can lock the door if you want and you can read, you know, said book. Right. And uh, another thing about our dynamic to, to understand is there's in the past, we've had arguments over dinner time. Sometimes dinner is like 7 PM, 8 PM. <laughs> it gets okay. really late. Yeah. And then when dinner is late, cleanup is late, bedtime is late. And it's just like this train wreck, right. everything else like cascades from there. Right. So not only did I take over dinner, but I had dinner done on time every <laughs> night. And I, I, I did it kind of with a lot of pride. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm not saying the little, good kind of pride. This smug. is the bad kind of pride. I was like, condescending. I yeah. I was condescending. It's like, see how this works, honey? See? Yes. See the, Look see at me. I work a full-time job. <laughs> I juggle so many responsibilities. And I'm good at, you know, making meals that you like, that our kids like. And I can handle all this. And I can do it on time. Ah, what's your excuse? Like, that was the spirit. So when I, when I project that energy and then she's in the bedroom supposedly reading, how do you think she's going to feel? Is she going right. to feel like swooning and like, <laughs> oh my right. goodness, I have such a great husband when all she feels is like a little bit of condescension from me. Right. No, that's <laughs> not going to help. What? No, yeah, it kind of so backfires. It makes things worse. Right. Right. So, so that's, that's the thing people need to remember. A lot of times their ego gets in the way. My ego totally was in the way of mm -hmm. us building a greater sexual relationship. And you know, one of the things that we, and we've talked about this on the podcast with a few other guests and with each other, is that we really think that one of the hardest things to communicate to your spouse about sex is that it's not physical. It's not just like, uh, so we, we keep saying, oh, well, I have this physical desire and you're the only one who can meet it and you need to come meet it because that's why we got married. And I have said before that, like, especially as a mom, I don't know how husbands feel about this, but like I'm starving all the time and I, my physical needs often don't get met. I'm sleepy, I'm tired, I'm whatever. So why would I break my back to get your physical need met? But when you couch it in that this is a relational intimacy, um, emotional connection type of situation, I think it, it changes that. Like, you know, it, and I've said this before, if Austin's hungry, I'm sorry you're hungry. I'm hungry. We're all hungry. We're going to have to wait, <laughs> whatever. But if he says, I feel unloved and I feel emotionally detached from you, that is like a completely different, you know, situation that I feel like I don't want that in my marriage. I don't want my relationship hurting. And I think that we have to reframe it a little bit. So... I mean, yeah, have you seen that with your yeah, couples? Yeah, I like what you said. It's dangerous to say, well, you're my only legitimate sex outlet. Right. Because that's also a control and manipulation tactic. Hmm. And you're you're changing the meaning of sex from something you like what you just said. It's, it's about intimacy. It's about connection and oneness. Right. You're changing it to something more about it's a transaction. Yeah. Or it's or I'm, 
I'm entitled to this. It's that entitlement. Mm. And that is so unsexy. <laughs> you don't, right? right? It, so it changes the meaning of sex from something other than what it, I think, can be. For something I good. think it also makes it become a chore because like yeah. I cook dinner as the, I'm primary the one that cooks dinner or whatever. And so if it's like, it's my job to meet physical need as cooking dinner or whatever, um, that that's how sex gets on the chore list because it feels like I'm just doing something else for another person, not really our relationship growing. I don't see it as like um, us talking or having a conversation or building connection some other way. I just see it as like, this is one more chore I have to do today before I can go to bed. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like right. I feel like that is definitely something that I see happen. But I, I often have a person who has a lot of sexual desire email me and say the things like what you've said. They're mm-hmm. doing the emotionally unhealthy things like I take care of our house. I'm very responsible. I'm, you know, like do all this stuff for my spouse. I overfunction. Uh-huh. Right. Like all these things that other people don't do. I do it and, and they don't even ask me, but I get no reward for this whatsoever, which is also just a terrible way to go about it. Like you took care of your own house. Woohoo. You know, like I take care of mine too. <laughs> you know, um, right. but they don't know what to say to their spouse to have the conversation. So a lot of times what they'll tell me is every time I try to talk to my spouse about sex, it it's like they don't want to talk about it. It's a fight. So what yeah. do you say to somebody in that position? Because I like our big thing is communicate, talk to them. Yeah. And they're uh-huh. like, well, they don't want to talk to me. So. Well, of course they don't want to. All they're going to hear is you, 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 you. Right. Like, right? And Or that's the energy that's projected. Like, how come you are not as sexual? How come you don't develop your sexuality? How come you're not as interested in this as I am? Like, it, no wonder why they don't want to engage in that kind of conversation. Maybe they but I'll tell you what you. does work. Um, I love that scripture in Matthew 6, I think, about uh, the speck in your eye and mm-hmm. the... Um, the log. Yeah, yeah in, in the other person's eye. Right, sorry, speck in the other person's eye and the, right. and the beam in your own eye or the right. log in your own eye. Um, we often approach our sexual problems totally in that, in that approach. It's my spouse isn't doing their part. They're not. They need to step up. When we don't realize that we are co-constructing a marriage dynamic where we're a part of it. So... Um, let me give you another analogy that I think illustrates what I mean. There's two ways to solve problems in a relationship. One is, I'd say, a direct approach, which won't work, and then an indirect approach, which does work. Let's pretend you want uh, your spouse is overweight and you think they need to lose weight. So a direct approach might be, hey, honey, I just signed you up for a gym membership. Hey, honey, we're uh, uni- I'm unilaterally changing our diet in our family. I'm no longer buying soda no longer buying snack food okay. we're only buying uh broccoli now <laughs> i don't know <laughs> only broccoli, yeah. only broccoli. The, that new broccoli <laughs> making this up all right whatever um <laughs> hey animals eat broccoli and they're big so you can eat broccoli too and you'll be fine um uh 
or, um, or I just signed you up for Weight Watchers. I just got you a, a weight loss coach. Like very rarely will those approaches convince your spouse that they need to lose weight. Sure. Right. Let's say you yourself are fit and fine. Your spouse is the one that you think needs to lose weight. But what if you changed your approach, completely changed yourself and, and who you are and who you are in relation to them? That uh, it's kind of focusing on yourself first. And that what that does is it shifts the dynamic, shifts the, the system. Because marriages are a system. Right. And all of a sudden... Um, all of a sudden, the other spouse will like realize, wait, my spouse is really growing. If I don't grow too, I need to keep up with this to keep keep right. equilibrium between us. So if you can disrupt equilibrium to go to a higher level and a higher plane, the natural forces of marriage of that relationship will often pressure the other spouse to step up too. Right. I just saw this with a friend of mine. In their marriage, uh, uh, the... Just just to be clear, it's not a problem, but it's just a fact of the universe that the lower desire spouse controls sex in the marriage. They right. will control frequency. They'll control what goes on in the bedroom. The lower desire spouse is the one in control. So my friend uh, has a wife who's um, uh, only interested in sex on her schedule, in her way, uh, on her time, and she wants to limit the kind of sex uh, and the experience of her husband. And in their particular situation, there are some certain things he really wanted to do because um, their desire levels were different enough that he he felt like he needed some more frequency. Mm-hmm. And when he wasn't getting the frequency and the connection he wanted, he needed a legitimate way to kind of release his, his uh, pent-up sexual tension. Uh, which was a big source of contention. Right. Um, and so the way he would approach these in the past was always, well, you're, uh, you're, you're really stuck up. You're not open. You're not open-minded. You're not, um, it's because of your past. It's because of your grandmother. <laughs> it's because of like your upbringing. Like you're so limited and narrow in your view of sex. That's, that's the approach he's been taking. And, and it just always turns into blow up and nothing happens right. uh, until recently uh, he got some coaching and now he realized I have as much to play in the problems in our marriage. And instead his approach was like, look, I know I'm really hard to live with sometimes and I pressure you all the time and I don't like this part of me. And he also realized he's, he just does not like to disappoint his wife. So the most, how she gets to him is withdrawing, right? That's like her tactic. Right. And he's so afraid of her withdrawing her love and affection and warmth that he's not living true to himself in with his integrity and kind of what he believes is right and best for himself. So she's getting half a man as a result, which she's not happy with either, and he's not happy with it. So he's like, realize that he's been dishonest with his wife, not like cheating or lying outright, but not living true to his values within himself and apologized to her for, for all those things. And then said, I know this is going to really disappoint you, but I'm going to do A, B, and C because I believe they're right because this is going to be good for me and it's going to be good for a marriage. And I know you're going to disagree with me and I know you're not going to like this, 
but I'm not doing it because I'm mad at you. I'm doing this because I think this is the right thing for me to do. Right. And things were awful after that conversation. They were, as you would expect, but only for a few days. And then guess what? He, because he leveled up the level of intimacy in the marriage, right? By being vulnerable. He's not accusing her. He's like really saying, this is where I've been weak and I'm going to get better at these areas Mm -hmm. in my relationship to you. He stepped up his level of intimacy and all of a sudden his wife started way upping her level of intimacy. And uh, he was telling me some of the great things that are going on now that just would not have happened before. So the solution to all this is an indirect approach. It's when you fix yourself better, you start living more honestly yourself and more in integrity. It's okay to go to your spouse and say, I am disappointed. I feel disappointed because you're being honest, right? But you're not blaming them. It's like, I am disappointed that uh, we didn't have sex last night when you said we would. Mm. Um, and I just let you know, I, I, I kind of feel hurt and I'm processing that hurt today. I'm, I'm committed to our relationship. I really want something great. Um, and I'm not going to pressure you. I'm not going to guilt you. I'm not going to shame you or all those other things. Cause I, I can deal with a little bit of negative emotion and be okay, but I can be, and I'm human and I'm just letting you know that I'm flawed too. And, I'm hurt right now. Like opening up, that goes a long way. You know, I kind of love this idea. And I feel like we are starting to teach the younger generations this more. It's just like being able to put like names to your emotions and Hmm. why you're responding the way you do to things. And like, this is something we are working with with our kids. Obviously, I'm sure you do the same where you, when they're blowing up and they're angry and they're upset and they're whatever. And you're like, okay, so let's like evaluate what's actually you're feeling right now. Why are you upset? You know, like, let's identify what's going on. So like one of the kids was really upset the other day and it's because he had invited a lot of friends over and no one was available and basically taking it out on us. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's evaluate what's happening. And I don't know that we were really taught to do that in when we were growing up. And so you no, get, you're told to suck it up. Yeah. Like just deal with it, you know, uh-huh. and, um, Push it aside. Uh-huh. and, uh-huh. and, and, I have great parents and well-meaning everything, but still, yeah, it was like, don't be a baby. Let's, let's like move on, you know? Um, but when you first get married, you have no, I don't think any ability to really share what's going on. So then you do those things. And if you get married young, for sure. Yeah. Now you're punishing your spouse. You're like developing these relating habits early on. And I think it's very hard to break away from that or to even like have this memory of better times like you develop this foundation of relating and it just you carry it for 20 years of marriage and you're still like why are we still uh dealing with this stuff it's because of how you started that foundation of marriage and so now you really have to like break free from it and change it like okay we've had this fight about a thousand times (laughs) what do we we can't keep having it what would we have to change to make it different to actually resolve it. And I tell, I tell people and I say, listen, I hate to tell you this, but your spouse may not ever feel or think or believe the things you do. And they may not ever be as sexually engaged as you want them to, but can you celebrate where they are at least at this moment? 
and and function in the relationship that way because the truth is you're probably not meeting their expectations in other areas of the marriage either. Mm-hmm. So, but you take it so personally offended when it comes to sex. Well, what what about the way that you know maybe your dating life is? Maybe they really want you to date more with you, or maybe they want you to be a better planner, or maybe they want you to I don't know whatever it is. And I feel like we just keep making sex be this thing like it's like separate it's this separate hurt and separate pain like it's much greater hurt and pain than any other thing that happening in the marriage and i just don't agree with that anymore um and i don't think it's necessarily healthy because it's like if the lower drive spouse says okay but you're making me feel bad and like i'm not good enough when i don't have sex with you but i did all these other things over here it's like well it doesn't matter because you didn't have sex and that hurt that I've put on you isn't as big of a hurt as me feeling rejected about sex or whatever. Right. Right. So I don't know. And again, that changes the meaning of sex out of intimacy and connection to a transaction or or something else. Right. Right. And it makes it more, I think sometimes maybe we, um, in error, teach that sex is some kind of right that you get. Mm-hmm. And if it's denied to you... Or it's a reward f- for good behavior. Uh-huh. Yeah, rights, <laughs> rewards, whatever. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get it, then may- it-, it does feel like a form of punishment when that's not even at all what's actually happening. Right. So in your experience, have you ever had anybody on the low drive side share with you why they maybe are saying no or not as enthusiastic or as excited or whatever like that? Oh, tons of reasons. Yeah. So what are some of those reasons? Because I know it's different for everyone, but I think that the higher drive spouse cannot fathom what it is that's keeping their spouse from that. Yeah. I, I, I can think of three right off the top of my head. Okay. So uh, let's assume that the relationship is good. They're dating. They're, they have a good relationship in general. They get along. They can communicate well. Yet she's not as interested in sex as uh, I said she. It could be totally a he. I just want to be really careful. The more I do this work, the more yeah. I realize there are probably just as many wives with a higher desire right. than there are men with a higher desire. So. Right. Um, we we were just talking about this in our last right, episode with, that we've switched away from Parker, yeah we've switched away drive. from he she husband's wife to just right. saying spouse one spouse and the other spouse <laughs> okay the higher desire one yeah yeah and exactly because I am the higher desire in my relationship I I relate it to a he because that's my experience right personally uh, but I I see this is not right. always the case so so we can just substitute higher desire or lower desire. And I just want to be clear too, sometimes we use the word high drive, low drive, and I don't think that's technically correct. Right. We also say high desire, low desire, and I don't think that's technically correct either. Because like, I know you too, Austin is at least a foot taller than Keely, right? Yeah, right. You're, at, you're yeah. tall, right? Yeah. You are taller <laughs> than Keely, but it's very possible that Keely could have married someone shorter than herself. Mm-hmm. It's a possibility, or or Austin could have married someone taller than himself, right? Like, I think sexual desires like that 
relative to my spouse in my right. relationship, yeah. I have the higher desire. They have the lower desire. But you could have married someone else or been in a different situation. And it would have been, I could have been the lower desire spouse in that relationship. So it's relative. And just because they have lower desire does not mean they have no desire. Right. Uh, so, so just to make that distinction. Okay. Um, uh, some people are caught up in life. I'm going to use a food analogy that they don't realize they're hungry until they start eating. You probably know people like that. They're like, holy cow, this food is so good. I didn't know how. I always know I'm hungry. I always know I'm hungry. Keely is constantly hungry. (laughs) All right. Isn't it great to have a wife that reminds you when it's time to eat? (laughs) Yeah, sometimes. (laughs) Okay. That's like some people with sex. They don't realize that Mm. they want sex or need sex until, you know, sex is offered to them. And all of a sudden, like, Hey, this is actually really good. I'm, I like this. And then you're in it, right? Right. Um, people call that more of a responsive desire style or desire pattern. Right. Um, so uh, a lot for a long time in my marriage, my wife had, is more on the responsive side. Right. And I thought something was wrong with her. Mm-hmm. But no, something was wrong with my thinking. Right. Nothing is wrong with her. Uh, she just responds better when something sexual sexually desirable is going on, then all of a sudden she's all in and she likes it. So you have to understand that there's nothing wrong with that. So you might have a spouse with lower desire and it's, it has a lot to do with their, they're just the way they relate to the world sexually is more on the responsive side of the scale. Another reason could be that your spouse, the Lord's are actually really likes sex. They just don't like the kind of sex you're having. And that can kind of be an ego hit if you're if you uh, take it that way, and it could be that the type of sex you're offering isn't great sex. Right. So it's, it's not great um, for them. No, it's not great for them. Right. So uh, they would rather watch their TV show than engage in the type of sex you're bringing to the table, or they'd rather get more sleep than the type of sex you're bringing to the table. Exactly. If your sex that you're offering was so good. And they would be stupid to say no, even if they have to get up in four hours to go to work. Like, that's the kind of sex you want to be offering. Like, it is so good. You wouldn't say no to it. Like, can you get to that level? Right. And that takes a lot of skill, research, testing, study, discussion. But that's something you can work towards in your marriage to get where the sex you're offering is so good. They wouldn't want to say no. Right. So make sure that the sex you're offering is good. And sometimes that might be a really vulnerable question to ask. Like, what is it about having sex with me that you that you don't like? Hmm. Or what is it about the sex I'm offering that is subpar? Okay. Like, and I'm not talking just technique alone, because I think we make love far more with our heart than we do with our body. Yeah. Um, so what's the energy you bring? What's What are you bringing to the table? And it could be technique. It could be like, I'm doing this all wrong and I'm touching the wrong part the wrong way, like, whatever, but right. work together on those things. Then um, another reason why a spouse may have lower desire or not be interested in sex could be just uh, false ideas and bad ideas. Um, uh, sex is dirty. Sex is mm. um, uh, good. People don't, don't engage sexually. Um, right. Or I'm okay with intercourse, but I'm not okay with anything else because anything else is less than. Right. Um, 
Yeah, it's not uh, actually intimacy if we have to use a marital aid or right, exactly. get in this position or that position or whatever. So those thoughts will interfere and put a cap on one's pleasure they can experience because you're, you're, those are limiting beliefs. And we all have them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a matter of like identifying them. But it's a willingness to challenge your limiting beliefs. Right. Um, it's really hard if someone's going to tell you like, you have this idea wrong, you have this idea wrong, you have that idea wrong. We don't like hearing that. We're not going to, very rarely will we go, you know what? You're absolutely right. I am so wrong. Thank you for pointing this out. <laughs> right? Um, no, because if we felt that way, we'd have already made those changes in our lives. Yeah. So part of the work of marriage is learning to love another person as they are. And that's a hard message for people to hear. And trust and with patience, uh, realize that they will probably they will come around one day but you need to kind of be patient love them as they are you know i have employed go ahead ahead. i was gonna say one that i want to add to that was that um there are spouses that they feel less desire to have sex because they like don't have enough self-worth maybe they feel like they aren't attractive enough to, for their spouse to want to have sex with them. And they let a lot of that get in the way. So I think that's probably part of the limiting beliefs. Yeah. It's not necessarily religiously. It's just body image. Uh huh. Yeah. That could totally get in the way. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. Oh yeah. So I have employees uh, in the past, I've had a lot of employees in different companies or whatever, and I've created an employee handbook. Basically, outlines you're hired here. These are you know the steps you do to, to do here. Unwittingly, growing up, we also create a spouse handbook. It's invisible. It's not written down, but it's all in our head hmm. of, of what we expect other right. people to do, right. so that so that we can love them. Hmm. Like for instance, um, I try to think of a specific example. Like you may have grown up in a home where dad, let's say, worked out of the home. He was a primary breadwinner. He was more of the stoic type. And mom was, you know, made homemade, home-baked bread, uh, did all the sewing. Um, she's the more emotional kind. She cries when she's happy. She cries when she's upset, like that kind of. And then you marry someone, you're going to expect that your the husband does things like what your dad might have done and the or the wife does kind of what, what your mom would have done, right. for instance. And when they're not that way, you get upset like, hey, you're not, you're not following my handbook, <laughs> right. right? You need to change so that I can love you better. But we, what we forget to see is uh, the person that needs to do the changing is yourself. You need to increase your capacity. Think of it like a bucket. Like you need to increase the size of your bucket of your capacity to love another person Mm. as they are, who they are. And so you're the one that needs to change how you can love a person. Can you love them as they are for who they are? If, even if they don't, so you need to, we need to like do a lot of throwing away and rewriting our handbooks in our marriages too. Yeah. I think my mom, my mom always gave me this um, advice that she said that one of the biggest issues in marriage is unmet expectations. Mm -hmm. And so you do have a level of expectation and when it's not met, then you have a lot of disappointment. And she said, the best way to combat that is to share what your expectations are, identify them 
and share what they are and get clear with your spouse because otherwise they're at an impasse. They have no idea what you expect. And you don't even really know why you're the, upset. The Holderness family talks about this and they call it secret contracts. Secret contracts? It's these these unspoken, you know, agreements and you know, when when one spouse or the other deviates from that, it can cause all kinds of havoc because it's like, well, you know, hang on now that that's not how we've ever done it. And it's like, well, but we never talked about it at a secret contract. Yeah. It's, you know, these these unmet expectations and that can easily and it's, that's every area of the marriage and can definitely easily become part of the sexual uh, relationship as well. That, you know, this this is how this whole thing works. Um, and it's like, well, we've never, we've never discussed that before. Well, <laughs> I think, yeah, when it comes to <clears throat> sex, there's a ton of unmet expectations yes. or you, unspoken expectations because you, know? you don't, you don't even really know what to expect out of sex. Even if you had a lot of thoughts about it ahead of your marriage, like you have no earthly clue what it's going to be like. And you definitely don't know what it's going to be like 10, 15, 20 years down the road. It's a changes so much. Definitely does change. Yes. It's so, so different. Well, Daniel, do you have any um, final thoughts you want to share with us before we tell people how to find you and follow along? Um, if if you're in a marriage where you think your spouse is the fault, I'd just, just to summarize everything, uh, you're probably right and you're probably wrong. Because <laughs> uh, just like um, you can clearly see you th- or you think you can clearly see the faults in your spouse, we often justify their faults. Uh, so we use their faults as justification why we don't have to work on ourselves. Right. Well, I don't need to step up in these other areas because you're not stepping up in the areas I care about you stepping up in. Like mm-hmm. we take that as justification for not to do. But the moment you can finally like get rid of your ego and get really honest and really realize like, am I really living up to my highest values? And if you're not, seriously attack them head on, make changes. Now, your spouse may never change. They may never change their ways. But, but it's no small consolation prize that you yourself have become a better person. Right. And I think that's the work of marriage. So um, stop pointing the finger and blaming your spouse. Like, it is, you can point out, like, you know, I, I, this is what I see in you. But you're not doing the blame game anymore. You're right. like, this is where I need to step up and change and whatever. And hopefully the natural pressures of marriage and relationship, you know, pressure your spouse to kind of step up as you level up intimacy too. But you're only going to get there when you really start becoming more intimate. And I mean that by opening your heart and stepping in closer to your marriage and inviting your spouse to, to do the same. That's awesome. Well, thanks for joining us on our show. What's the best way for people to follow along with what you're doing and all the ministries. Yeah, number one would be to download the Intimately Us app. It's free. You can search on the Google Play Store, the Apple App Store, search for Intimately Us. Uh, my website is getyourmarriageon.com and my Instagram is getyourmarriageon. You'll find all of our resources. We have lots of free resources there too. Yeah, and definitely follow him on his podcast. It's called Get Your Marriage On Podcast, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely follow him there. He brings on some amazing uh, speakers and guests. And I usually try to link up to ones that um, I find super interesting in the newsletter. So if you follow us on the newsletter, you're probably familiar with this podcast. Thank you. You two have been a guest on my podcast before. Yeah. Too. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we've been around. 
Well, thanks so much for joining us. We can't wait to talk to you soon. And uh, we'll put all of these resources in the show notes. So anybody who wants to check those out can find them. Talk to you later, guys.